This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is The Citadel Cafe, episode number 436 for Wednesday, March 16th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and The Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Brock at Vola is back. You can find him at the Cat Volver on all the social media that matters. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, thanks. It's weird when you listen uh, um, to an entire episode. I listened to y'all last week, obviously, because I stealth bombed it. And... Uh, it's weird to then come back because I know we have show notes and stuff, but then there's also like this bad sense of like wanting to now comment on commentary. And then you're like, <laughs> I think that's the new society you're in where sometimes you're like, what was the original topic? I'm, I'm just talking about your comments, like not in a bad way or good way. It just stimulates conversation. And that's like what we're all about. Um, and I've always been, you know, my, my wife has always pointed this out because there was a friend, a mutual friend of ours, more on Laura's side. And he thought like I was like really getting after him about some post on, which is ironic because we're kind of get into um, important movies, quote unquote, versus like unimportant movies later on in the show when I do pass or play. But um, he was just talking about like basically superhero movie fatigue. And I kind of poked it a little bit because growing up without superhero movies and the best you got was a really crappy Dolph Lundgren Punisher film. And then finally, you know, Keaton's Batman kind of was great and then it was bad again. And anyway, like I was kind of uh, I was kind of like a little bit more riled, but I, you know, I came in a little hot, but then, you know, whatever. But then privately, he was like, I thought you were really mad at me, all these sort of things. I was like, you don't understand. If you read my like five dude text chain, we just take the we just like eviscerate each other sometimes on like pop culture opinions. But then like in a way that's like. oh like one of another one of my friends to this day and it drives me and my friend jeremy and adam uh absolutely insane he's like oh yeah i kept america civil war i gave it the same grade as uh you know like uh batman versus superman we're like what and he's like well you know blah blah he lists his reasons and you can see in like an in a fractured, terrible mind, how maybe that makes sense. Like to him, he prefers the superheroes to not have as much crossover, all these different things, but he didn't grow up a massive superhero fan. So I get it. That's fine. Like he's more into super spies. So he's always been more like, um, uh, forgiving of like the mission impossible movies and that sort of stuff. But to me, I was like to this day, he brings it up, and now he brings it up as like a, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's good, you know, about Captain America level. And we're like, oh, best. <laughs> and I know my friend Jeremy, I know if I ever want to get him riled up, I bring up the movie Looper because he is such a time travel guy. And I'll get to time travel again in the episode, but uh, in this episode. But anyway, I know I can poke him so bad by bringing up Looper. And Ryan Johnson, because of The Last Jedi and how he feels about that, which is very negative. I just bring up Brian Johnson to him, and he's like, well, it's fine. Brick's great. You know, uh, Knives Out, great, great, great. But, you know, the rest of it is just, you know, whatever. Throw it away. And I'm like, 
So <laughs> anyway, you just know those things about your friends. You know their little things. And I know most people can probably jab me if they come at Superman or um, I'm sure there's some other buttons to push. I'm trying to think about what my buttons would be. I imagine it's probably, you know, the defense of the, of the superhero films, like the Marvel stuff, the people that don't like them and whatever. And I, like, I'll, I don't necessarily try to convince people, but I will certainly like, like I, for example, I've been trying to get my stepfather, Barry, to watch uh, the Captain America kind of storyline. I don't think he would enjoy all of the Avengers. He's not a big sci-fi guy. He much prefers like historical drama. Um, and that knowledge of historical drama was how I convinced them to watch the Lord of the Rings. I bought them a DVD set, not like the big extended box set, just like a general DVD set. Um, and I gave it to my parents, uh, years and years and years ago when they were still living in Boston. And I told mom, I said, look, just tell Barry to give it a chance. Yes. It's a fantasy movie, but honestly, it's more of like an imagined history than it is a, like a swords and sword like there's swords and sorcery but it's re it's really more about you know a historical adventure and um because of how like deep the history oh, yeah. is in tolkien's world and and barry was into it they really enjoyed it and he he surprised himself and i think because he likes like world war ii movies and stuff like that that he would get a kick out of the captain america arc i don't know if he would necessarily watch all the other films but like first avenger uh the winter soldier uh avengers i guess not in that order but like you know avengers the winter soldier and then civil war on through like i th i feel like he would probably like the soldier part of that sure because because ultimately like like thanos is just a big nazi yeah you know? no <laughs> it's just it's, it's sci-fi but like that's I what mean, he is you right? know yeah the, the captain america mentality is one that is ingrained in a lot of of um, um, americana of like when originally now we all know mm -hmm. globally in some circles your United States is considered more of a bully than it is a defender of the weak. But um that was very much the flag they toted for the longest time was like, you know, we were bullied, so we went out and we made the best country in the world that supports everybody's voice, yada yada yada, all these ideals. But then, you know, they were like, that's what we're going to do. And, and sort of this whole Monroe doctrine. And they had all these thoughts of like how they would help the world from big bullies or whatever. Well, now they're established enough to have be their own bully. But, uh, but yeah, it's sort of a mind that, that I think very much resonates still with older generations. Um, mm -hmm. And geopolitically stuff aside, I think most people can agree that when it comes to bullies, um, we don't like them. So, so, you know, if you, you yeah, have a guy like exactly Cap with his, I can do this all day thing, you know, that can be something that's incredibly, um, positively stirring and triggering within somebody, um, as opposed to Tony Stark's fall from grace redemption, right. story, which yeah. not as many people, I think of an older generation necessarily like are drawn to as much as I think maybe our generation yeah. is. And I also know that, you know, movies like Guardians of the Galaxy and and characters like Peter Quill, Quill are like, a, they're not, they're, they're not going to resonate with Barry at all. Not to mention like Talking Tree, he's out. Like, he's just like, no, <laughs> just, I don't want to watch this. But you just got to you know, so watch I, Lord of the Rings, Talking Tree. 
I know. I realize <laughs> that, but it's. I think it's because it's like it's a main sure. character yeah, yeah, or yeah. talking raccoon, like yeah, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Sure. I think is is probably well. Tolkien is well, ingrained that, I, in history. I mean, like he was a major. You know. Yeah. Of, so yeah. there's a oh, there's a purpose to a lot of what he's doing satirically yeah. a little bit too. Oh, of course. I mean, like there's lots of World War One, you know, references right. and all that kind of stuff. And is it one or two? It's one. Right, it's World, World War One, I believe that, that he references. More, yeah, but yeah. I think he lit, was more of a contemporary right. too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, last week you mentioned that you wrote in, you kind of like did a shadow bomb with the email, which I thought was very funny. Uh, and Alistair and I both uh, talked about our animated series Mount Rushmore. So I wanted one. I want to know yours, but before we get into yours, I want to know what your gut reaction was to our. Responses. So first off, I want to give Alistair a lot of props for giving me props because it's very rare somebody compliments my asinine rules I make for making lists uh, because <laughs> he was like, he makes it so like the, almost delightfully infuriating to paraphrase a bit. And it's true um, because I think part of the fun i think we're in this like you said pre-show off air there's so many podcasts now there's so many ways to rank things social media hot takes all this stuff so everyone has an opinion and it's a lot more popular to do the high fidelity top five type of thing so you know mount rushmore not necessarily an original idea so you have to kind of make things fresh and for me i'm such a nerd about rules uh and so I appreciated that he called that out. Y'all's lists were actually a little bit more surprising than I thought. Y'all pulled so much more from your childhood than I thought you would, in particular, Joel, um, just because I thought, you know, with the animator background, you'd be a lot more like the shiny new thing, like focusing a lot more of the fresher shows that were out, things like Arcane that we had mentioned. But per the rules, which I knew, uh, you wouldn't be able to use something like Arcane. You wouldn't be able to use... Uh, possibly some other shows um, that haven't been wrapped. But anyway, it was interesting and it was really cool to hear you guys call back to some shows that I do remember. Um, I think, Joel, I know you were basically a generation before me. So Gumby Bears would have been like when I was really like a little, little toddler. But it was interesting to hear you throw Gumby yeah. Bears in there. Like that was my first one. I was like, whoa, I would have never, like if you gave me a thousand shots at cartoons, I don't think I would have hit Gummy Bears. For you. So that was a big one. Uh, that was cool. But uh, but yeah, you guys hit on some of my favorites. Of course, one of yours, Joel, uh, ended up being one of my top four. But um, oh, and the other thing I wanted to give major props to again to Alistair. I guess we're just shaking hands from past and future. Uh, high five. Uh, is he brought up Reboot, which almost made my list. Mm-hmm. And to this day is this. I was talking to my friend and that's why I, I emailed you guys because I just just popped in my head when I was talking to him. I was like, do you know that cartoon when you first realized every episode wasn't just episodic where the, where the person just didn't solve whatever problem it was, whether it was like they forgot their school lunch or they had to defeat a villain, but there was an actual from the start of a season to the end of a season, something changed and it changed that couldn't be undone. And if you started to watch the series later on, you would be, lost to some degree. And the show that I remember that doing for me was Reboot. Now, I know X-Men the Animated Series kind of was like that because it actually followed comic book arts. But to me, I kind of discredited that because, I mean, they, they kind of went into it knowing like, well, we're going to do this, this, this. 
But you could do that. I mean, I definitely know I missed a lot of two-parters and I was like, I'm lost. Where? Who's Cable? What is Bishop? I don't understand. Um, but for me, uh, Reboot was that show. And I remember watching all the way into the third season and just being like, wow, like, I don't understand computers. So all of this is still kind of cool. And now looking back, you know, obviously some of that tech just doesn't hold up, but still the baseline of it it still really, really resonates. And um, yeah, Bob and uh, Enzo dot, um, I think it's, oh man, I'm going to massacre her name. Eh. Hexadecimal was the villain that I remember. Hexadecimal. I mean, Megabyte was Megabyte Tony J. I mean, epic, you know, Lord Frollo voicing. Uh, but Hexadecimal, yeah, was so delightfully like, you never know what's going on. The only reason I didn't make my list was because I did track down eventually back in college. They had the fourth season and it wrapped up what happened at the end of season three, which you could the way season three ends with them kind of like standing and profile and then like posing and it saying reboot. It could be a series end, which I took at the time. So when I found this DVD at the time, it was like Virgin Superstore. I was like, what the hell is reboot? What is this? And it was the fourth season. And we just say wrap up if you have any familiarity with the series, this major virus. But then at the they, they wrap up that idea and then they went to another idea, which was really cool if they had continued it. But the way it ended was a cliffhanger. And I, I can't allow myself to love a series that ends on a bad cliffhanger. Um, that's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. glaringly like bad as in like villain wringing their hands. I'm setting the table for the next season. Then it ends like if it's like fade to black like i don't love the ending but it's an ending that's different but this was not that so reboot was off my list but i give major props for that one as well and um i ended up also knocking off dragon prince because even though they say it's over i really have the feeling that they're gonna make more but that would have made my list i just absolutely love dragon oh did they cancel the dragon prince i thought there was gonna be no this is what i'm saying like so so they they said they were done for now but they would gladly do more it's kind of in netflix's hands and i think they're going to continue to do more Dragon Prince. But from my understanding of the show, the third season was going to allow the creators to be like, this is what we have. This can be it, but there can be more. Um, but if you watch all the Dragon Prince, the last little bits really kind of make it seem like there should be more. So, Yeah, I just say, I don't remember that having a nice little bow on it from the last time I watched it, but it's been a yeah. while, mind you. Well, their major, I would say the major conflict arc of those first three seasons is completed, but then... A character's evolution in which they can never return from uh is what's probably going to be the impetus for future shows or yeah future seasons right. which i think i agree with you lends it off um y'all threw out darkwing duck which of course seminal just awesome especially in a superhero starved sort of like childhood it was darkwing duck it was batman superman animated series powerpuff girls the first run um, absolutely love those. Um, I left off My Hero Academia because it will probably never end. Just like One Piece, it will probably be on for 400 years <laughs> and then it will eventually yeah. be off my list. But if it were to somehow end soon, I think it would be there. Um, and then other animes like Outlaw Star and Trigun um, were really, really big for me. Um, and Korra, I did not finish Korra. I've only seen two seasons. I know I get so much crap for Korra. Korra's like the crap I give you, Joel, for uh, numerous cartoons. Uh, but I understand. It's like the skeleton I hide in the far back of my closet so that no one can call me out 
until this moment. Um, but yeah, I haven't finished Korra and I really need to. Um, especially since it's all clicked. Did you did you start season three and fall off, or did you just haven't started? I finished it? season two and then at the time it was like I was I was up to date. Three started, oh, you're up to date. Okay. and then for some reason I wasn't up to, I wasn't keeping up with it. And then I just never watched it again. And now that it's all collected, they're all done. It's almost this bad thing, and we talk about this all the time. Your attention is always grabbed by these new shiny things. So in my brain, even though I constantly want series that are done, for some dumb reason, I'm like, ah, I'll get to it. You know, it's there. Oh, look at this thing. It's not even finished. It's barely started. Mm. So I know it's stupid. I really need to just do it. And then I made myself start restart season two. So I would remember it because I only watched it one time. I did a podcast for season one. So I remember season one like really well. But I restarted season two. And then I don't know, for some reason, it, I really got bogged down in season two. And then I just didn't finish my rewatch of that. So I need to. I really need to finish Korra. But um, for that reason, Korra is also another shameful one that's off my list and the very last one that didn't make my list that i'm deeply sort of i hate myself for is steven universe because that's another show that um when i get to my list it's really not as much about what's important for the world of cartoons it's just more it's more important for me along with you know i also really embrace the quality of elements of it and um but if steven if i had to for if i had to just make a important cartoons universe or uh mount rushmore steven universe would be on there um it's really quite great and even the movie it's a little tricky because the series ends there's a movie and then there's one more series that's it's all connected and it's important to see all of it so you could kind of be like well it's not one giant collected thing but you could watch the original just steven universe and be done never watch the movie or steven universe future uh and still have a good resolution but i think it's important to watch all of it so it's that kind of makes it a little tricky i bend the rules a little bit for another one of my top four that's kind of like that but um steven universe was like my fifth like they were starting to carve the mountain and then they were like well we don't, we're not gonna do every president i mean there's 40 of you know 40 plus so what are we doing um just all of south, <laughs> Colorado, uh, south dakota is just nothing but heads um made for uh for presidents um but yeah so my four just ended up being no surprise avatar the last airbender um i think most people of a generation agree how important that is but also how just actually really great it is and it holds up in a lot of ways um to the point where even after a crappy live action movie they're going to try and make possibly a crappy live action tv show we don't know um but we'll see uh cowboy bebop which we talked about in the past that's really important to me i also think it's just a really great anime um and i don't think it'll be surprise anybody as i stare yet again at dipper pines uh funko pop that uh, gravity falls is also in my top four um but the last one i kind of it's not fibbed because and i want to give you props joel um you turned me on to inside of you with mike rosenbaum a podcast oh yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, i've been listening to a bunch of it it's uh it's really good it's definitely not what i expected even from a standpoint of like people recalling stories of their like work it's just a lot more of their psychology which ends up being still really good but as part of it mike rosenbaum at one point was on justice league he's the voice of wally west the flash and in it when he was talking to the rest of the cast they sort of qualified justice league as four seasons 
even though it was Justice League, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Justice League Unlimited. So there was two and two. Uh, and that's how they're labeled. But they, as the cast, qualified it as four seasons. So I'm giving Justice League the animated series out of the Bruce Tim universe, which builds off of Batman animated series and Superman animated series, which I loved. But I'm not going to give myself credit for that whole continuity or canon. I'll just take Justice League. Uh, and uh, and a lot of the stories in there, I just think, are really, really good. Justice League Unlimited, too, for Warners. Uh, there's a lot of great ones in there from The Greatest Story Never Told to uh hunter's moon to um i'm blanking on some other ones but hereafter hereafter was a great one for superman fans it's just basically he gets zapped so far in the future with the red sun that he's like literally in a desolate like desert wasteland of earth and he's got a beard and superman has no powers and he's like building a car to drive across the desert and it's like this is really weird thing to see superman doing but like it was just a really good episode so um but anyway so that that would be my four uh, with all the caveats I mentioned before, but uh, it is tough. I mean, you know, anytime you're picking favorites, uh, it's just there's going to be those. Uh, you know, I never finished certain long runs of shows too. Like technically, Powerpuff Girls and Darkwing Duck, I never like saw all of. So per my rules, I couldn't include them anyway. But still, I you know, honorable mention them enough when you're a kid. So yeah, that'd be my four. I think the first cartoon that I saw that had that throughput storyline that wasn't just wrapped up in each individual episode, or if there was something that was wrapped up in each individual episode, there was like an another arc happening behind the scenes. And that was Gargoyles. Oh, yeah. And that's where like, you know, characters would be turned to stone and like, that's it. They're done. They're out. Like they're not, not dead, but they're turned right. to stone. And, and um, then there was like all of the folklore behind it all that i wasn't familiar with and then got into like you know midsummer's night dream type stuff it was it was really cool and and i thought that they did a good job of kind of holding my attention because i would have been older i would have been you know 14 or 15 when that was coming out and um, the hard part for me which you brought up was remembering something as as well animated or something that was a cool cartoon to watch when i was an animator and and studying that kind of stuff it also just like, well, yeah, but is it a good cartoon? Like just because it looks cool and I was watching it because it was visually pleasing doesn't necessarily mean it was a good story. And that's right. where I think like you, Avatar, The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra, like they eke out a lot of modern cartoons for me because they might be cool or they might be funny or they might be like really great looking. But then like, are they the best thing that I've seen overall? No, not really. Uh, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends amazing cartoon for saturday morning inventive funny really cool designs great comedic timing but like it's just a saturday morning cartoon it's not nearly as world changing as avatar cora gargoyles and all that kind of stuff for me uh gummy bears had a throughput as well not necessarily every season but certainly later seasons they had like an ongoing story which i thought was was cooler than most uh, at the time in the 80s anyway yeah so moving on into what we have been watching, did you want to start with the film or do you want to start with uh, pass or play? You could do pass or play as like knock him out. So we could start with the film. I will defer to you because I didn't finish it. I started it. Uh, that show is, or that film rather, is Turning Red, released on Disney Plus last Friday, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think they did a theatrical release. 
I think it was just every advertisement that I saw for it was straight to Disney, which Plus. is a shame. I think, um, but but I think they did the same with Luca. I don't think Luca made it out to theater. No, Luca was a direct to Disney yeah. Plus as well. This is and these are Pixar films. Um, so I I don't have a lot of nice things to say because I stopped watching it because I wasn't enjoying it. So like, what where are you with it in terms of your impressions of Turning Red? So. Amy kept seeing like ads for it, basically um, showing up on things. I would ask for it. And we're like, it's not out yet. It's not out yet. Um, And so it was the first film. I think like she really knew of his existence and was waiting for. So finally, when it came out that day, we heard it on. And usually the very first time she ever sees a film, she'll sit for the whole thing. Like she, I think last week we did the first Incredibles and the Incredibles two, and she did first run of those. And then eventually it becomes like, nice. I want to see this part or she leaves after about 30 minutes uh, and then comes back to it after playing for a bit and watches a little bit of this thing or that thing, uh, which you don't realize as an adult though, there are like Pixar films are amazing, but um, other than a few, even toy story at times, like, we're laughing at like Woody and Buzz talking, but it's still Woody and Buzz talking for like two or three minutes. And to a young, young child, it's not necessarily super, super engaging. Um, so turning red definitely is not like Emmy's getting like 50% of it. It's, it's a coming of age story. Very much. So this young girl, my Lynn Lee or my, my, um, has grown up in Toronto, Canada. Um, and, uh, basically, is the daughter of two Asian American parents and the whole dichotomy of what it means to be a daughter and that sort of social uh, tradition. Uh, she's very much, you know, um, not beloved. She's very much uh, respectful of her mother to a fault. And she's turning, thir- she's turned 13. Uh, so of course she's hitting this puberty thing and what that means for her, what that means for her relationship with her mother and what that means for her relationship with her um, friends and also her body. And some of the humor of this is that it manifests itself in this family long. Uh, her mother, to quote it, calls it an inconvenience of, of this um, red panda thing coming out. Um, so basically, my, my my one night wakes up and she wakes up in the next morning and she's just giant red panda like red pandas if you're familiar you google them they're small cute but she's a big one this like hulk size like you know seven footer uh like 300 pounds 400 pound type thing so just to navigate that a little bit in her life and what that means for her relationships and whatnot um and uh, it takes place in 2002 so it's interesting now that we've reached a point where like films that are coming out but now are projected back in time are in the 2000s because in your head i think joel uh, using of 2000 is like, oh, that's contemporary. It's not. It's, oh, it's like 20, it's 20 years ago. So like that's like how people who grew up in the 80s must felt about like 80s, like Back to the Future being like, oh, the 80s? It's like 1985? That was like yesterday. And it's like 1999. Um, so yeah. So anyway, uh, 2002. So boy bands are still a big thing. And so my, my inner friends are really obsessed with this one called four town, even though there's five people in the band. I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, it's Pixar. So there's so many different layers to it. There's jokes at every level. And um, there's a lot of heart and a lot of characterization that I just, I think is really, really important. Um, now I will say again, Emmy is a little bit young to really grasp a lot of the puberty stuff, a lot of the importance of some of the stuff being discussed as far as 
the development of your mental and physical changes. Um, and also there's a lot between my Mai, Mai and her mother, that relationship that um, only really is super, super surface that a young child could get. It's very much still, I think, a film that's more important for preteens and older. Um, it resonates, obviously, probably a lot more, too, uh, with uh, maybe a female identifying dynamic, um, possibly because of the puberty sides of physical changes as well. But uh, overall, I, I just thought it was really great. You know, I am a father of two girls, so, um, you know, there's there's a lot of that that, uh, that drew me in. But still, I think, and I haven't seen Luca uh, all the way through, only bits and pieces. And Emmy's scared of it, so whatever she saw in that first one, oh, really? she was like, no, no. I'm out. Um, so we haven't revisited Luca's, I don't know, but it seems like in a lot of ways, like Inside Out, a lot of these um, Pixar coming of age films, um, they have a lot of great specificity to them. So like they can hit like a, like a, like an arrow point, <laughs> like Brave uh, on a certain type of relationship. And I think it drives really hard and home to those people. Like, I think, I don't, again, I don't want to be super generic, but I felt like a lot of my male identifying friends are drawn so hard to the Toy Story franchise. And I think that's because as a boy, you put so much of your emotions into the physical toys and you act out your feelings through that. So Toy Story was right. hugely impactful for us. Whereas I have a lot of friends that were like deeply affected by Nemo. And like at the time I thought Nemo was gorgeous and was okay, well not okay, but good, but it just didn't impact me. Now as an adult with a child, Nemo has a lot more resonation or resonates a lot more. So. I think there's a lot of elements to that, but as far as like a, just a good solid movie, I mean, Pixar just, I think in general has done really good. Um, <laughs> Cars franchise aside, uh, which again is probably the easiest thing for really young kids to see. Um, uh, and it's probably lacking the most depth and uh, I haven't really seen the good dinosaur, but I've heard very mediocre things outside of that. I think turning red, continues to fulfill that sort of Pixar promise of um, really good character driven, really well um, characterized characterizations. A lot of this stuff is really well done in it. Um, I can understand some people uh, come into it thinking it's one thing, perhaps, um, and it being something different because it's far more of a relationship between your friends and your mother's story um, than even I thought. Cause I, I for some reason I thought, cause she's turning into red panda. It was going to be a little bit more like boisterous. Like she's, you know, there's a lot of humor to it and they play up a lot of that transformation stuff really well. But anyway, so yeah, I really, really liked it. I really enjoy it. Uh, I highly recommend it um, just overall, but I do think uh, it'll hit the hardest if you have a child or perhaps you have experienced through your own lens or the lens of a child or a friend or something, the experience of being a, a tween, becoming a teen, becoming a young woman, uh, and what that means for all the relationships you have, even with yourself. So I think that makes the movie even a little bit more uh, rich. I think that's probably why I ended up bailing on it after the first 40 minutes or so. Uh, I mean, I was also a little bit tired watching it after dinner last night. So like I had some stuff to do before I went to bed. So I kind of checked to see how much longer do I have in this? I was like, Oh gosh, I have like an hour of left of mm. this. It's like, I'm not, I'm not watching the whole thing. 
Um, regardless of whether I was, I was enjoying it or not, I would have had to go. Uh, but I think that it's not, again, I don't think it's necessarily a bad film. Um, I very rarely say something from Pixar is, is terrible. Um, I think it's, it's a combination of perhaps me just not being in the right mood, but also just not aimed at me. And that's fine. You know, like not every Pixar movie has to, you know, hit a note with me. Um, and I like all like most of them, like, especially the softer ones. I really like inside out. I really liked, um, Coco. Okay, yeah. That was a Pixar one, right? Yeah. Like I really like, and they're, and they're softer, more emotional films, um, with heavier notes and they're fine. Like I, I quite like them. Um, but yeah, I think it was the combination of like the subject matter. While I know it's important in terms of like your emotional health, while you go through puberty as a young woman, like it's important. I can obviously know the, the value of the story and think it's great that, you know, it's a female director with probably a large female team on the story it team. Is, yeah. And, they have a doc, um, a side doc it, about it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, uh, Domi, she is the director. Yep. Uh, and, and she in less than 10 years has gone from a story artist on inside out the good dinosaur a storyboard artist on Incredibles 2 and then Toy Story 4 and now she's directing a film. Like that's awesome. Uh and and I knew immediately within the first, I don't know, 15 minutes because I didn't know all this going in. I just knew I was like this this is great and I can tell that rightly so it's a female director. And and I can appreciate the importance of it. The, my first thought was to like if I can get through it was to like recommend it to my sister my niece is maybe not old enough i don't know to like again like like your daughter to like to really grasp all the levels but there's certainly a lot of like funny emotional friend relationship stuff that i think would be important um and i like the fact that it wasn't that when she got angry or whatever that she turned into into the, the panda but it was whenever she felt like an extreme emotion doesn't matter whether that was happy sad um anger doesn't matter and again, you know, like that kind of stuff was well handled, but I just, th- there's two things about it that kind of had me checking out. The first one was like just the unrelatability and that's just nothing other than the fact that I don't have a partner. I don't have kids. I don't have even my niece. I'm not super close with them. So like, it's, I don't know, I don't have a lot in my life to relate it to. Um, and secondly, and this is, I think a generational thing. This is going to make me sound like an old man. I missed so much information in the first 20 minutes or more because it was thrown in front of me so fast. It's like, there's all these jokes and all these little subtle moments and they go by you so bleeding fast. Like I would have to, like they pause on like stickers. She says something important. I am my own woman. I do whatever I want and cut to like, you know, her cool you know, flute case with like stickers uh, on it. And there's jokes there, except for they don't pause long enough for me to even read one of them. Yeah, And that just happens like rapid fire, like constantly. And unless you are used to, as I'm sure most of the younger generations are, consuming media at that speed, it just like, I didn't get any of the jokes. Like I just like, this is just noise. It To me, the first 20 minutes, 15 minutes, felt like a like a youtube video when they get annoying and i want to shut them off 
you know, like I, 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 I spend a lot of time uh, playing Minecraft and I, I will often have to look up something like I have to learn how to make a farm or I have to, I want to learn or, or see a review of like a mod or something like that for the other podcast. And the very first thing that I do to check out of a, of a, of a tutorial or a review is if, if that person that's doing the review is speaking so fast, I can't understand them. I'm done. Like I'm just out. Yeah. And it just, it drives me crazy. Like the most important thing at the beginning of your video is like your name what you're planning on covering and what it is, you know, that I'm going to be in for. And if you say that so fast that I can't understand any of it, I'm just done. I immediately just like dislike gone next video. I try to find somebody from, usually I try to find a creator that I'm at least familiar with that I know I could listen to. And even then it could be sometimes a stretch. And so I did find that it's this, it's got this rapid fire. Everything is flashing all of the time. The scenes are shorter. There's a lot of cuts. I'm trying to like, oh, that's a really cool design. No, I can't see that design anymore because they've, they're no longer on it. You know, like they just, they have these moments where it used to be a much more of a, a subtle pause, like a, a pause on a background character. Like those moments you have with like Ratzenberger, you know, doing a voice yeah. of something in a Pixar film. And there's that beat where like they hold on the joke, you know, I am the underminer. And it's like, this is great. And that was like when whenever they do stuff like that in the, in this film so far, again, I'm only watched the first, first 40 minutes. It's so fast. Like if you blink, you miss it. And there was, there were some things that I thought were funny. Um, I was laughing mostly at the dad. <laughs> like there's a, there's this moment where, I mean, like um, I can't remember the mother's name, but the mom is like all controlling all everywhere all the time. And uh, Ming, I think is her voice. Is her is her name? Sandra Oh is the voice. And, uh, she puts donuts on the table for breakfast, but then won't let anybody eat them. And it's just like, why, <laughs> why are there donuts on the table? If the only reason they're there is to tell your husband, no. And like, that's the morning that may finds out that she's a panda and she shrieks and runs into the bathroom. And like the split second that Ming looks up from the table, dad scarfs a donut, like just boom. <laughs> like it's you have to you have to have both seen the joke of no sugar her slapping his hand and be watching him to to even catch it <laughs> uh and that i found i found really funny um and i'll i'll ask this of you because this was something else that i found a bit bothersome was uh i found that the dad was like a throwaway character so far uh he's pretty bumbling he doesn't seem to be taking part in the family outside of just like supporting and doing whatever mom says uh which is fine but it just it's real it's really a back seat and i don't know if i really enjoyed that uh does that come around like does he end up having like a heart to heart with may may or like there's some i got just before i stopped watching there was a softer moment where like he was telling her everything's gonna be fine we're gonna we're, we'll get through this don't worry like he was trying to be reassuring and i thought okay good like he's not just like a you suck it up and get through it kind of dad he's a little bit more down to earth in, in that yeah. way uh which i thought was cool yeah he's involved um, but he I, gets involved a little he doesn't get involved yeah i okay. think the um slight spoiler but not really they they establish well, i don't care about spoilers we'll warn we'll warn the listeners but i don't care but about uh spoilers. but he he doesn't take a back seat but he's still not as important as eventually um uh miley's mom miss lee's 
own mother coming. So Miley's grandmother and their aunts coming. So there's this whole force of aunts plus grandma that come. They have an important part too. But I do recall at least two moments where it's like Miley and dad. Um, So there are those moments. Obviously, the the mass bulk of it is all the inter- female identifying relationships which is you know totally fine um yeah but yeah, oh, but yeah but to your point i think the dad's still in there uh he's not just there to just be a quiet donut eater like he has he has emotional value to the story as well um back to your point though it is really true uh, i will say this and just thinking about it now like finding nemo is one of those films sometimes you can put on because like there is a little bit of of like amped up stuff but some of it is just like you're watching the fish talk and swim and there's a lot of openness and it feels like there's long long well a lot more breathing and longer takes i thinking back on on turning red and possibly why emmy has returned to it as much at her young very young age is because of the speed at which things come at you and turning red so i do agree i think um turning red hopefully resonates really well also with younger people, um, especially in that tween. I mean, like if you think about like we talk about over and over again, um, I just come on for the same shows over and over again, cartoons uh, and uh, our attention spans. But it's true. Your attention span is driven in so many different ways. So a movie like this, I feel like does a pretty good job of keeping up with, I think, some of their target demo and their attention span. Like the boy band craze to me is over but i guess there's still some big boy bands out there i didn't catch the whole 2002 vibe thing either like i like i didn't i didn't see or hear them indicate to me that this is taking place in the early yeah, 2000s it was like, in that i just i just first like it was literally in the first three minutes i think they show a picture and it says 2002 or whatever and and that's yeah. what i mean by if if your audience is missing important right. information like that then you're going through your beats too quickly yeah and and that's that's the kind of thing because I was just kind of rolling my eyes like boy like haven't we done boy bands like sure like this is like I get it and my thought was like okay well whoever's directing this obviously would have had like they're probably around my sister's age which means that they would have been like into boy bands when they were a, a teenage girl and this all makes sense they're telling a story that they know and so like I wasn't necessarily dismissing it but I'm just like I've seen it before yeah. and that's I think where I started to check out and I and I will personally say like I know that my attention span is shorter now than it was at the beginning of the pandemic because of how much screen time, specifically how much short media screen time that I have been consuming over the last two right. years, three years. And, and I know, cause I find it harder unless it's a really good movie. I find it harder to get through films now without pausing and taking a break, doing the dishes, you know, like just, just getting up. I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of getting up, but other times it's just like, I'm just not that engaged, especially if it's something that I've seen before. Yeah. Um, I will get sucked into series. Like I remember one evening watching one, like two or even three episodes of Vikings Valhalla. So that's like three hours in a row. And I mean, obviously, you know, bathroom breaks and stuff like that. But for whatever reason, hour long chunks in series are a little bit more digestible. Even if I am watching them right in a row, right. there's an option, I think, to break. Whereas when you're looking at this and when I heard the plot point of she has until the next moon or new moon before she can do this ritual to contain her panda, which to me seems like that's a bad idea. That's like bottling up your emotions. That seems 
like a terrible idea. So I'm assuming it's probably not going to happen. Um, but then the idea of um, a few days before that, this four-star boy band is going to have a concert. So she has to then suppress and uh, control her emotions in order to try to convince her parents to let her go to this concert. And I just saw the rest of the plot of this Disney and Pixar movie unfold in my head. Like, well, I know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like she's, she's going to suppress her emotions, learn a lesson that that's not very healthy. Eventually she'll end up going to this concert with her friends. Cause if she doesn't get to go, then that's a stupid <laughs> like shitty thing to do to this kid in this movie. Yeah. Like it's just, you know, you kind of understand. And it's like, do I really want to watch another 20 years? 30 minutes of this just so i can listen to watch a super long sequence at a boy band concert that i don't want to listen yeah. to because <laughs> already the cringy singing from her and her friends in the movie were just it was enough to me i almost started skipping oh stuff. i love all this um, little bit it's so cute that like i it's cute but like it's it's they're too long like sing a, a a phrase or a verse but when you start doing like the whole song and you get into the chorus and there's a dance thing that's where i can't identify yeah right sure. that's where i'm just you like okay i got i yeah. got what you were trying to do in the first 10 15 seconds of this but now we're into like a minute and a half and i'm done like move on yeah. uh because it's it's not adding anything the anymore. friends though are uh, so that, funny like i do they are funny i like i don't remember which one is which but the one that's angry all the oh, time priya She's the one just, that shows up and is like holding like the vampire book. No, no. Oh, uh, Abby. Pri, no, Priya. Priya's Abby. She's who? She's the short brunette that's just like. Yeah, she's the one that's the like time. like a feral creature who screams. Let's burn this thing down. Yeah. Like her energy level <laughs> is so funny to me. Like I love her. Yeah, she is. She's sort of like the um, yeah scene stealer a lot of times. Abby. Yeah, and then Miriam yeah. does a is like sort of the pseudo ringleader of the side best friend she's the one who's uh who wears green my daughter's like the green one the yellow yes. one and the pink one um is how they yes she identifies yeah. them. but they do a pretty good job with the characterizations of that stuff i totally understand everything you're saying is is makes total sense too by the way as somebody who did yeah. enjoy the film those are a lot of the sort of like avenues in which the film is not going to fulfill you know a little bit yeah and i want to say like really cool to see essentially an entirely female-led cast yeah right like it's her four her three or four friends her her mom you mentioned that grandma and aunts come in later uh they're the, even the boys at school are like throwaway shot gag characters well, right? male like, you know, characters, they, they, the quote-unquote bully tyler so like that's right. the only yeah exactly. exactly not a love interest too which is also very nice and valid for it nice to have yeah 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 i and i enjoyed some of this the over-the-top animated sequences where like may may is under her bed realizing she has a crush on the dude behind the counter at the Should at the milk start, mark or yeah. whatever <laughs> oh my god she's drawing these goofy things like she can't even control herself and she doesn't know what's happening she comes out of like a blackout and she's like how did i do why is he with mermaid i don't know like, that kind of stuff i thought was very very funny and that again is just like this is a female director who was a female artist at 14 who probably did yeah, stuff exactly. like this yeah. right like there is there is a through line where like i can only imagine the story meetings at pixar where all of the women that are in these story meetings are killing themselves laughing because they're like i totally yep, did that yep, you know like yeah. i i get it um and on to like some more positive stuff uh i'm still getting used to it luca was the first that i saw of this kind of style from pixar uh this uh, turning red is another one where they're really going against like all the capabilities that you can do with CG right now. They went really simple with a lot of stuff 
So there's a lot of points where Mei Mei and her friends kind of remind me of a Wallace and Gromit. Like it's very well, yep. simple, yeah, yeah, yeah. stylized designs, um, very round, mm -hmm. tube, tube-like legs. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, they do a really good job of um, positive um, like body representation. Right. Like Abby, I think, is a little heavier as a kid. Uh, Mei Mei is kind of in between. Uh, you get the, the tall, skinny girl. Um, there's frizzy hair, a little bit hippie, like all like the awkward stuff that happens when women are teenagers. And I think they did a great job of not having everybody look like you know a Disney princess, yeah, exactly. which hasn't been happening for a while in Pixar films. But it's it was good to see because in this particular film, it wasn't as cartoony as something like Luca, where they're fish monsters and and characters are like very boxy like you know old women in luca look like mailboxes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like they're not they're they're very cartoony right whereas this is is a little bit more realistic and i think they did really well from a character design standpoint um for for may may and and her friends and stuff like that they're unique and and yet they all kind of feel like they're part of the same you know same not world but like the same ilk yeah for sure so what do you say we punch out some pass or play? Let's do it. So pass or play, if you're not familiar in the past, uh, it's just my way of like lightning rounding a bunch of films or things. Uh, you either want to play them or you're going to pass on them. Sometimes I do it with trailers. Sometimes I do it with films I've seen. This week it was kind of, it was happenstantial. Speaking of like not having a good attention span, I realized I had such a backlog on all these lists of like movies I hadn't seen. Then I was like, all right, Let's do it. Let's run. And I also just started to use this app called Letterbox, And that kind of, again, Mr. List, uh, forced me to be like, man, I haven't seen like an actual new movie or a movie that came out in the last five years more than like like three or four, maybe. So I just started to try and knock some out. So <laughs> happenstantially, ironically, they fell into two categories. Uh, Oscar, Best Pictures, Doi, that's coming up, that's on your brain, and Ryan Reynolds movies. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I needed a little bit of like beef with my like hearty, like artistic meals, um, a little bit of humor, a little bit of everything. So I'll start with the Ryan Reynolds films. Cause I think those are more, probably more people have seen them to be honest, uh, again, cause it's American Oscars and whatnot. But, um, I, starting with the oldest, I came back to the, I never seen Deadpool two. And I visited Deadpool too. And honestly, I liked it. I, I remember at the time feeling like there was a lot of people who were very negative about it or people being like, eh, or something about it. To me, I think it was just as good as the first one. There are certain plot things that I thought were better than the sort of simple first Deadpool film. But overall, I think from my memory, from the first to the second, like if you came for Deadpool-ness, Deadpool 2 was great for that reason. So I'd play that one. Um, Red Notice, which is a Netflix only film uh, with Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot and Ryan Reynolds. Um, I'm going to say pass. And the problem here is, I think, while it's a sort of a heisty film that also has elements of sort of treasure hunterness, um, it doesn't really push either of those two genres so much or make such a good lampoon of either of those genres to do anything like it's a trying to be a jack of all trades for those things. And it doesn't do any of them particularly so well that I'm like, Oh, it really sticks with you. And I love Dwayne Johnson. This almost became a Dwayne Johnson film because, or list because uh, I started this whole thing by watching jungle cruise. So, but then Ryan Reynolds took my heart and he led me down this path. So anyway, pass on red notice. Uh, I would say play 
on Free Guy, which is now on on Disney Plus. Um, I'd say play because it's actually kind of a lot of fun. I think a lot of the references that they kind of use as jokes um, can be a bit much. It worked for me. Um, I know it's not going to work for everybody, but uh, for a non-R-rated Ryan Reynolds, I think it used a a family-friendly Ryan Reynolds in the best possible way you can, uh, which is really tough. Uh, because when I get to my last Ryan Reynolds, The Adam Project, which just came out on Netflix, I'm going to say pass. And here's the thing. Last night when I was watching it, I'm gonna say, I was like, I'm going to recommend this to Joel. I'm going to say play. Felt like something that we collectively would enjoy. Time travel, sci-fi, Ryan Reynolds. But like the more I watched it and by the end, I was like, you know, this is a film that like I'm, I'm going to kind of like forget about. Like it's not nothing's really going to resonate with me. I'm not going to really be thinking about elements of this film for extended period of time and for that reason although i enjoyed it i don't think necessary it's necessarily something i would rush to see again or or even recommend so i just say pass on the adam project unfortunately um cool cast though really cool cast if you look it up uh and then oscar best pictures total 180 as far as tone and humor uh which there is lacking uh i only have seen four of the 10 my god 10 best pictures um and intend to try and see power of the dog and west side story but i've not seen either instead i've seen nightmare alley um which is the um uh, guillermo del toro it's a remake i didn't realize this until i was <laughs> on letterbox and it popped up i was like nightmare alley didn't oh nightmare alley is just a remake so it even lowered that film a little bit more stylistically it's beautiful cast wise great acting good you know but it wasn't Nothing was super resonating with me uh, as far as Nightmare Alley is concerned. And Shape of Water didn't get me either. So if you love Shape of Water, you might actually really love Nightmare Alley because it's actually far darker and more tragic. Um, if that's your is that your vibe. But uh, for me, it's a pass. Um, Don't Look Up is a pass. It's kind of a really big, it's a mad, 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 mad world, rat race slash um, uh, Dr. Strangelove sort of thing you know they have so many actors you know doing so many little bits and jokes and leonardo DiCaprio's in it and jennifer lawrence are anchoring it and the premise of course is incredibly terrifying to me um the satire of it is also very terrifying but other than that for an adam mckay film that does who does really good job with balancing humor and satire like he did for the big short this one just fell short for me. <laughs> See what I did there. Uh, so it's a pass. Um, I would play Drive My Car. Um, it is a three-hour-long film. Uh, it is very dry. Uh, it's a foreign-language film, and you have to read it. Um, but I do think that, other than maybe I'm wanting to cut it down by 20 minutes, uh, otherwise it's a good film. Now, it falls into one of those categories of, like, Really good film you watch once, you think you may think about it, or you might carry parts of it with you, and then you never see it again. So it's definitely rings of like best picture were very important. But it is really good. It's really well written. There's a lot of opportunities. Speaking of like speed of turning red, um, this uh film, it it does a really good job, I think, of letting acting, cinematography, all these things breathe. Um, and really give them room in the silence to tell story as much as talking. Um, and I thought that that was obviously something that, you know, in our rat-a-tat-tat world um, was really good, uh, especially since, you know, 
I just talked about don't look up and that was incredibly rat a tat tat. So I would play don't or drive my car. Um and lastly Dune uh is probably the splashiest of the best pictures. Um I think Dune's just probably not when get best picture because they're going to wait to see if they can land I think the trilogy uh, is what they've announced they're going to do three of them. Um I didn't read the book so I came to Dune pretty blind. Um but overall it was really beautiful i thought cinematography was good the acting was very it felt like everybody's acting through the same filter um and the whole thing felt very filtered because you know it's on a desert planet so it's very gray and sandy but um overall huge cast of people um and lots of things in play very rich they don't hold your hand for a lot of things which in in modern day you know, I think might turn some people off. Other people will probably be turned on because they don't have to know every single facet of this universe right away. But uh, I'd say play Dune. Um, it's definitely got enough epic to it. And it's definitely got enough um, sweeping sci-fi. Uh, that's really cool. And the acting's good. Jokes. <laughs> I think there's maybe five jokes in Dune. <laughs> maybe less. So if you're looking for like a fun time, pair Dune maybe with one of those Ryan Reynolds films. Uh, to give yourself a little bit more boost in comedy, but um, not a lot of smiling <laughs> in Dune either. But it was good, so I would say I, I ended up with fifty-fifty there. 50, uh, you know, fifty percent Ryan, fifty percent best pictures to play. So that would be where I land currently. So I can rip through these pretty fast. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool Two. I know I didn't like it. Red Notice didn't finish it. Thought it was crap. Free Guy, watch it. I'll give it a play, but I don't think they stick the ending. I did talk about it on Agreed, this show, yeah. but as as you mentioned, it's forgettable. I don't remember what I said about it on yeah. the show. <laughs> right? It probably started off really strong and then just couldn't stick yeah. the ending. Uh, the Adam Project, I had teetered with maybe pressing play on that, but I will take your advice and probably not because when Red Notice, Free Guy, and The Atom Project all come out within the last year or two. Granted, I know that there's probably some pandemic delays with the releasing of some of these yeah. films. When or, And when an actor is in that many movies released that close together, none of them are good. It just, it's kind of par for the course. I I tip my hat to Dwayne Johnson and and his entrepreneurial bulldozer of a career. I like him. I don't tend to like his movies. I find that they just cookie cutter jam them out as fast as possible. Um, yeah. And I agree with you. Red Notice sh should have been a farce. It should if they should have leaned into Red Notice like Jumanji or something. Sure, yeah. But it Agreed. took itself yeah. too seriously. Yep. Yep. And um, the only thing that I kept watching on Red Notice is because I have an unabashed crush on Gal Gadot, so I will watch her read the phone book. So <laughs> I was watching Red Notice purely for her until Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson, not their characters, because they're never in character. They're just Ryan Reynolds Correct. and Dwayne Johnson. and everything in they're in, yeah, yeah. And when they went to the jungle set, I was just like, oh, welcome to the warehouse with sand and palm mm -hmm. trees that's supposed to look like a jungle yeah, somewhere. Yeah. No, I am done. I am not. And if, if they had done that like it was like a, a, a real farce, then it probably would have been fine. Um, but yeah, not not interested. Uh, Oscar pictures. Dune is available to stream in Canada on Crave on March 18th. It's one of the reasons I resub to Crave, uh, not just for Picard this month, but also because Dune is available soon for me and i'm gonna watch it Good. uh drive my car probably not something i'm gonna pick up don't look up tried hated <laughs> it not not my favorite thing i i was interested 
in Leonardo DiCaprio's straight man character until he started cheating yep, on his wife. Exactly. And he's like, nope, I'm yep. out. I'm like, I, just, I can't, I don't respect anybody in the film. And if you don't give me someone to attach my story to, to identify with, then I'm done. And I just, and jo- Jonah Hill, I want to throw from a moving train. <laughs> like I just, I, I don't, I don't tend to like modern comedies. It's not a secret on this show. Uh, Nightmare Alley, I'll probably say pass only because Del Toro is a very specific mood that I have to be yeah. in. I respect him as a filmmaker. I really like Pan's Labyrinth, but again, I didn't like reading the whole thing. You know, like I, <laughs> that kind of stuff was was difficult. So I, you know, there's stuff like that that's I can either le- take or leave with Del Toro. But um, again, respect him as a filmmaker. He just doesn't necessarily make my kind of film. Oh, crafted beautifully again, yeah. But the arrow didn't hit me on on that one. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will give you an invite to the member-only Discord server that's shared with my personal Discord uh, and, of course, the uh, the Twitch members from my, my streaming channel. And it will get you access to the Barista Cut audio session. So at any level, you get access to those bonus uh, sessions because we've hit that goal. A special thanks to our new bean counter, Smurf588, for sponsoring this episode. Thanks so much, Smurf. I, I really, really appreciate it. Patron count is at 26. That is steady on from last week. If you would like to be number 27, visit patreon.com slash the Cafe. Our goal is to try to add a new member every week. So you could be number 27. Who knows? I have a very short pick. It requires uh, a little bit of watching, but things that I think you will enjoy and perhaps get a small hit of serotonin <laughs> that you will no doubt need these days. Uh, Penalty Watches Telly is a TikTok creator focusing on their uh, husky mix. I am definitely a dog person. And although I would never choose a husky... <laughs> <laughs> this account is pretty fun and pretty different from most like Husky social media memes that you'll see. Most of the time you'll get some Husky chowing and, and yowling and vocalizing and being basically stubborn and their owners find this funny. I find it annoying. Um, however, uh, Penalty, the Husky in this video watches television and the owner will put various things on television, like an, an advertisement for like homer insurance or health insurance or something where a dog is jumping on a trampoline and this husky just like the emotions that wash over this (laughs) dog's face when you watch something like that it is absolutely hilarious like you can see the wheels turning it's like that looks like fun (laughs) wait he's not just jumping around there's a thing that makes him jump higher and you can see the dog kind of look around be like that's that's a thing that exists where can i get one like it just the immediate like the possibilities are just running through this dog's head it's so funny to watch same thing with like nature docs where they'll put on some nature documentary and there's like a a, something's in danger and the dog will kind of like perk up and just like watch tv like what's what's going to happen it's like it's like with us watching television drama yeah. you know uh watching animals run around on screen the dog is just like what's gonna happen next <laughs> can we put on the next episode mom like i don't know what's going on uh it's just fun it's just really really fun and it's not like i said the the mimi howly husky videos that you're used to um it's it's 
pretty funny. There are some like cringy videos where like they've got the dog dressed up in like sparkly tutus and stuff. So skip those. Just watch watch the ones that look like the dog is on the couch watching the television. Bloody hilarious. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Brock and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. I know you, of course, can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or follow the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, really wherever you can find a podcast. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. You can also leave a rating or a review on your platform of choice, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. That gets us into more ear holes and helps us grow the podcast as well. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am up to online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at the spawnchunks.com. This past week, Pixel Riffs and I talked about the first appearance of the Allay in the Bedrock beta. That's a new mob in Minecraft. And of course, you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media. I'll point you towards twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I'm streaming every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And this week, I actually put up a bonus stream. So I was on online for a couple hours yesterday on Tuesday. So check that out at twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. We'll see you there. Brockett, where can people find you online? Find me on social at the Catvolver or Catvolver in various gamer tags. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.